Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Man, are you glad to be here this morning? And uh, we have some of you that uh, just got back from a a great retreat this weekend, a women's retreat. How many of you were thankful for that? This morning, we're going to take a break from our series that we've been doing in the book of Daniel. And and actually, we're just going to take an opportunity, and we do this from time to time as a family, to have a little recap, have a discussion Um, Typically, Sunday morning, we just exposit and go through um, a section of Scripture, but from time to time, we'll have a family chat and be able to highlight something of importance. And so in order to do that, though, I want us to have a framework, something that is in our minds that we're thinking through uh, that will lead us uh, to a sense of appreciation of what God has put together. Uh, Richard Swenson, if you've uh, heard that name before, he was a doctor and uh, has wrote a series of books. Uh, He was a doctor, but as he began to do his craft, as he began to practice that, he became so in awe of what God had created. As he was working on the human body and he sees the complicated systems that are found within the human body, he said, there's no possible way that you can look at the human body and not be in awe of God. And he wrote an amazing little book that's worth your time. It's called More Than Meets the Eye. And in there, he actually cites a scientist uh, when they were talking about the Hubble telescope. He cites a scientist who suggested that they should limit access of the faith community to the Hubble telescope. And when he was asked why, he said, well, because when you look out there at all of the stars and all of the heavens, it just inspires a sense of awe, and it drives them deeper into faith because it suggests that there is a God. (laughs) And he said, it doesn't just suggest it, it proclaims it. When you look at everything that God has created out there and the magnificence and the vastness and the, um, the intensity of the declaration of creation, day after day, it pours forth speech. Without saying any words, it is declaring that there's a God. He says, but you know what? Their problem is not in space. As a medical doctor, he says, their problem is actually a lot closer to home. He said, that person sitting next to you may at times seem like a sleepy, slovenly, unmoved creature. He says, but do you know that actually during the course of this last week, for some in stages of life, and within the last month for sure, that all of the cells in your body in essence, have made an exchange. Old ones have left, new ones have come. You literally, for those of you that only attend once a month, you are not talking to the same friend you were talking to once a, one month ago. An entire swap has happened. Their entire body has disappeared. A new one is in their place, yet there they stand. Is that a miracle? God is created incredible intricacies inside the body. He says, if you look inside the body, there is a frenetic activity that is going on at all times in a sleeping person. There's these activities and mysteries that are going on that add to the beauty of what he's created. Why do I bring that up? Because in the body of Christ, it is the same. If you just take a look at a church from a distance, you may make some assumptions about it without having any real clarity. But do you know that God has built systems into the church, things that we're supposed to be about that actually are a gift to us? And one of the things we're going to talk about this morning is women's ministry 
and the gift that it is to our church. Amen? Now, some of you, if there's 50% of you about in the room that will want to know, what is this women's ministry? All right? And that would be the men's ministry participants. <laughs> Does such a thing exist? Why is it important? I want us to read really quickly out of Genesis chapter 1. I want you to see something that is important. Uh, we will not have time to preach this this morning. We'll just have time to make a suggestion that is worthy of you spending some brain time, okay, in your own devotions. But it says in Genesis chapter 1, by the way, John uh, grabs on to this same uh, phrasing here. He's hoping that you'll jump back to Genesis 1 even in his book when he's talking about Christ. And there's a reason for that. Listen to these words. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, by the way, do you believe that? Okay. Yes. Amen goes there. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Later on in John chapter 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that's brought into being was brought in through Jesus Christ. Amen? He is the Word of God. Here we have in these opening sentences, God the Father, God the Spirit, and a spoken word that are working in unity and creation pops into existence. Then, to seal off their creation activities, we jump down to verse 26. It says, and then God said, let us, uh, by the way, even Hebrew teachers know that that word is there, then God said, let us. Why is he speaking to himself in the plural if he's just speaking in a mirror, right? Here's the triune Godhead at this moment, I believe, speaking, saying, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock of the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. And then in most of your Bibles, you'll notice an indentation. When your Bible's indent, uh, that means some heavy-duty theology, remember, is about to happen right there. So they've put this into uh, Hebrew poetry. For that early culture, it would have been easier for them to remember. He wants you to grab onto this. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. Keyistic structure there, centerpiece being, he created him in the image of God. He wants you to grab onto that. But when it says, so he created man in his image, he reemphasizes that by saying he created them, male and female. I want you to grab onto this thought, chew on it. We can talk about it later if you need to. But this first thought I'd have you hang on to is that the image of God is incomplete in one gender. All right, just grab onto that. The image of God is incomplete in one gender. He created them, male and female. In order for us to put God on display, he created two genders to be able to fulfill that opportunity. Now, there's a lot we can unpack there. Some of you are going to wrangle with that in your mind, so put that in your little box of irritations and go to the next point, okay? I'm hoping to generate a discussion. Second one, a local church is failing, and this is in the New Testament era. A local church is failing unless both genders are finding freedom and fulfillment in Christ. Do you believe that's true? If you don't believe that's true, this morning is going to super irritate you, okay? 
A local church is not doing its job unless all those who enter into their doors have an opportunity to find freedom and fulfillment, to find exactly what it is that God has created you to be here. You should have freedom to do that, right? To explore and find out what does God say to me, not does what, what does man say to me, what does God say to me, what am I to be, and you should be able to find your fulfillment here. That's what we believe. We believe that in a thriving local ministry, you shouldn't just hear men's voices. You should hear women's voices, right? And in your home, by the way, men, if you're leading your homes well, your wife's voice should be heard, and there should be a flourishing in that place where everybody is everything that they are called to be. Amen? Now, that shouldn't be controversial, all right? So in your mind, put, put in there, okay, is he saying this? Is he saying that? Write those down in your little memory banks. Swipe that into the holding file. And I want us to have a discussion this morning with uh, two gals that I think this weekend put on display the beauty of these statements. Uh, this weekend we had a women's retreat, and Julie Bernard and her team um, put together an amazing retreat. Uh, and one of the speakers that was there was Elizabeth Woodson, who wrapped up that evening and did just a beautiful job of pointing all of the gals that were there to Christ. So I'm going to ask them both to join me on the stage. We're just going to have an interview this morning with Elizabeth Woodson. Let's give her a hand as she comes out. Now, when, uh, when we first had talked about doing this, uh, this was a fairly uncomfortable thing to uh, present, uh, I think, uh, just because, you know, you're in a new place, and uh, here you are with all these folks. So just take a look really quick. Elizabeth, these people really do enjoy seeing you this morning, okay? <laughs> these are friendly faces, even if they're masked. Yes, there you go. We really should have like a comedian kick it off to warm the crowd up a little bit, yeah, to get them feeling like they're at home. But um, uh, Julie, I, I wanted you to just be able to give us a quick recap of what you saw this weekend, and then we had some questions for Elizabeth that we wanted uh, for our group to be able to get to know her a little bit more, but also share uh, some of what God's called her to do. So how did it go this weekend? I, um, I was just overwhelmed from the beginning from the kickoff till we wrapped up. God's presence was so powerful in the room. The worship, to hear 800 women lifting up the name of the Lord together, so powerful, so impactful. Yeah. To, to think about that, to think about um, over 100 churches represented, and to think about how what was shared is going to go out then to all those different places and impact those women, their families, their places of work, their community, their churches. It's, it's amazing. It's really yeah. amazing what, what God did. And I, I think um, the best way to wrap it up is that I think we all just really left hungry hungry to dig into the Word of God. Yeah. And that was, that was our prayer from the beginning, that, that we would come together and God would just ignite a passion in our hearts 
for him and for his word. And I think we've only seen the first little spark of that, and yeah. it's going to carry out. It was, it was an amazing weekend. So thankful for the opportunity that we had. Yeah, it was really fun for me, uh, having formed some relationships with pastors mm-hmm. and their wives, to see uh, pastors' wives I- excited to be a part mm-hmm. of the conference, knowing uh, at the beginning that um, you, we weren't doing a, a conference in order to gather more gals mm-hmm. to uh, our church, but that they were going to be inspired to get on fire for the Lord and go back to those places. And so then they're grabbing all of the, the gals and trying to get pictures with you. And it was really fun for me to see them feeling honored and safe in that place. But you, you said 100 different churches, but also we, we had uh, nine, ten different states. Uh, yeah, I, nine Nine, I think nine different states were also represented. Yeah. Like we're like, what in the world? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. Were there any from Idaho? I'm just curious. Yes, I think there was. In See, fact, this I, is the place. If you're thinking about going to Idaho, you just got to stay put, all right? Don't go. Stay right here. I know I'm poking the bear, but uh, change your plans. Yeah, I talked to two gals who drove nine hours on Friday to get there. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, however, Texas is also awesome. And so, yeah, Elizabeth, we, uh, we, asked, yeah, we asked you to come and uh, share with our gals, but um, we wanted to find out two things right off the bat from you, a little bit about your journey. So how did you come to be in ministry? Um, you, do you come from a, a Christian family? Just tell us a little bit of your story. So I am originally from the East Coast. And so uh, I was born in Baltimore and born into a Christian family. And so there is benefit to that and also some challenge um, that I'll talk about. And so I came to Christ as a kid um, in a VBS program with the puppet ministry and the felt board. It works. It's (laughs) beneficial. (laughs) Um, But because I grew up in a Christian household, nothing really changed around me. And so it took me a long time to really figure out what it meant to walk with Jesus, to figure out what the gospel meant. I always tell people it's like a dimmer switch went on in my life. It wasn't like the lights just went on. Just slowly over the years, um, God just opened my eyes to who he was and what it meant to live a life that was committed to him. And so a lot of that happened in college. Um, And so went to college in Chicago. I love Chicago. And the Lord did a work in my life um, in some hard areas where he had to pull me out of some gutters uh, and show me that he was the best way for me. I know some of y'all might understand the gutter ministry. The Lord. Um, Let's pause right there really quick. Do we have anyone in here who understands the gutter ministry that God does? Yeah. Yeah. We got some people. Okay. You're among friends. Okay. Hey, all my people. And I ended up getting a job on the west side of Chicago. And um, I was working in an underserved community and was working in accounting and didn't know what God had for me. And so just through a couple of different opportunities, I ended up teaching a single Sunday school class. And my Sunday school class was just really unique because it had all sorts of different people. Um, We had a recovery community that was connected to our church. And so they were a part of it. People had just been out of prison and getting over addictions. And so they were a part of the community. We had grandmas. We had had all the people. (laughs) Grandmas. We had... uh, college students. And so me and my co-teacher were looking for curriculum that was written for this community. And we just couldn't find anything. And so we had the novel idea of just opening up our Bibles and walking through them. Um, But in that process, God just really struck my heart to want to be able to help this community learn what it meant to follow Jesus. Um, Like every day, like what does it mean for us to live out the gospel? What is the gospel? What does our Bible say? Like what does it mean for us to believe that Christ is the one that we give our life to? Mm -hmm. Um, in a really substantive way. So that led me down to Dallas Theological Seminary. So that's how I came from Chicago to Texas. It's supposed to be a two-year journey, y'all. 
I was supposed to come back to Chicago and do ministry there. That was 10 years ago. I'm still waiting on that, like, return flight yeah. ticket. <laughs> and Lord just did a wonderful work in my life. Um, much of God's work has been unexpected. And that I find myself now at the Village Church teaching people what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, and I was telling uh, Justin and Julie last night um, that I like to consider myself like the person who welcomes people in the door and just shows them around the building of what it means to walk with the Lord and answers questions and say, hey, you can go deeper in your faith, um, but I'm here to welcome you and to say, hey, we're happy you're here uh, and to show you what the way looks like. And so I do that. I teach classes. I write curriculum and I train our lay people to do that at TBC because that's really important to me to equip the people for ministry at church. Yeah. I, I think your story is really powerful. I, I think, too, for some that have uh, been considering ministry, uh, there's a little uh, envy that might be going on in the room of the trail that you were allowed to walk. I mean, God calls you in a, just a really cool environment, yeah. but it's vibrant, a place where your faith comes alive. Yeah. You get to go to Dallas Theological yeah. Seminary, which we really value. Yeah. That's a great uh, place. Mm-hmm. Um, your first internship was with Tony Evans. I it told was. you when I heard that, <laughs> I'm like, man, that guy can preach. But also yeah. what they're doing is so cutting edge as yeah. far as meeting the need in yeah. their context. And then going to the village church, yeah. we have some people who are practicing like landing planes on the stage like Matt Chandler. <laughs> and uh, they want to, but Matt Chandler's the pastor there. And you get yeah. to be in some really cool places. Yeah. But it's not those people that make that journey exciting. Yeah. As you've described it, every step along the way, it's been Jesus yep. making it exciting yep. and his word and being able to take that next step. Yeah. And so um, that's the thing that we really love for you yeah. to kind of unpack for us yeah. uh, a little bit is that process. How, how did you get discipled oh, along yeah. the way? You know, I'm just thankful for the people that God just dropped in my life um, over the years and some people who like pushed <laughs> the door in because yeah. uh, I might not have been in a place where I wanted to welcome someone to speak to me about, hey, Elizabeth, you need to step up in this area or this is what it means for you to live out your faith. But I always appreciate the person who would give me the hard push and tell me the truth um, and not the sugary answers of what it meant to live for Jesus, especially in a world where that's not popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to call me into this space where, because ministry is not easy, and you have all these, I think anything that makes us uncomfortable comes with fear. And so we just don't know what it's going to be like, and yeah. we don't think we're going to be enough, or I don't have all the answers. And so over the years, having people, um, I just think about the different supervisors I've had in jobs or even in ministry that have given me an opportunity to just do it afraid. Uh, and so that's a phrase I like to use because I've never felt like I always had all the things I needed. In fact, most of the time I didn't have what I needed, but I had Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that gave me the words for the situation. You know, so you're speaking to someone, they're going through a really hard situation. And I don't have the perfect words to, to answer their needs, but Jesus does. And even just being present with someone. Like I've just learned the power of it's not about me. It's me going to the background and being a vessel through which God can work. Um, yeah. You know, and I've had people, you know, pastors step into my office and say, hey, Elizabeth, I see something in you, and I want you to take ownership of what God has given you. And so really pushing me to go beyond my own fears and beyond my inadequacy and to say, God, you're doing something here, and me being faithful to you is me letting you, letting you use me the way you want to. Um, and so it's not me in the background. It's being in spaces like this. And so I think about the men and women who spoke to me over the years and gave yeah. me opportunities to try and to sometimes fail and put the pieces back together yeah. and say, it's okay, because we all have to grow and we all have to learn. And that's the maturity journey that we have in Christ. 
um, we just continue walking and with people who are willing to walk with me slow and push me to run a little faster, but they just never gave up on me. Um, And I, I just, they're just distinct people in my mind who I would not be where I am today. Even when I think about Jen Wilkin in our friendship and we work together, we've had a really long friendship um, and she's just mentored me over the years and given me opportunity. Yeah. And it's just, I'm thankful for God's faithfulness through his people to just help me. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, let's talk about that just a little bit more because Julie, one of the things I, I wanted you to bring out this morning is I think that you both have been able to experience the mentoring role in the last few years from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So you've been able to say, I'm trying to pull some young gals along. And I really felt like this last weekend was a product of giving away of yourself, but also allowing them to thrive, pushing them to do this. So I want you to speak about what, what are some of the beauties of that and complications. And you were talking about what it's yeah. like to walk alongside Jen and have her pull you along. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to just ask a couple questions along the area of discipleship, because everyone says, well, it, you know, it's in the Bible, so therefore we do it, right? Yeah. But what does that look like? So tell me about leading young gals and what's exciting, what's hard? Well, I, I think um, when we, we talk about discipleship, oftentimes we think of a program, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's so much more than a program yeah. and something that happens in an hour when mm-hmm. you're meeting with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. It's really living a life alongside them. And, and it, it's, it's more um, rubbing shoulders and sharing life. And then it's, it's more caught than taught, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as, as we um, walk closely with the Lord that hopefully will will be shown in just how we interact with everyone around mm-hmm. us, whether that be our family or people that we do ministry with. Yeah. And that that will just be something that shines through, that is seen. And more than just saying, this is how you do something, it's it's walking with the Lord and grabbing someone's hand and just say, let's do this together. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I hardly have any answers. Yeah. But like you, Elizabeth, it's like, but I, I know the one who does. Yeah. I know the one who'll be faithful to lead us as we, as we go together. And I think also part of like young, bringing younger gals along, um, a lot of times I feel like I'm, I'm learning from them just as much, yeah. you know, as if they are learning from me, you know. But it's locking arms and hearts with the goal in mind, mm-hmm. really lifting up the name of the Lord. Yeah. And as we do that together, we just encourage each other, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like a joint effort, right? Yeah. Um, it's give and take and a lot of praying together a lot of looking to the Lord and looking to his word and just letting him do the work. Yeah. So here we are, you know. I, I was watching your team this weekend, and I, the, the effort was exponential. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you as a church would have been really proud to see not just the gals, but also the, the men. men that we have serving behind the scenes. It was a beautiful picture of the yeah. body of Christ saying this is important. Mm-hmm. But the skill set that those gals Amazing. have, I so mean, we, we would shop for that on, online saying, hey, we need this kind of uh, mm-hmm. organizer, this kind of uh, person leader, this kind of shuttle runners, you know, and they're all right here. 
Yeah. But they were given permission to be who they are in Christ and flourish as God called them. And I really, I'm thankful for you creating a culture Mm. where that is a beautiful part of our church. So I wanted you to hear that in front of all of our folks. Mm. Yeah, aren't you thankful for Julie's role in that? Yeah. But Elizabeth, another thing that we talked about was uh, you walking alongside Jen Wilkin. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what's really cool is you have different personalities, different presentation styles, but her role in your life has been really... Uh, one that, that is, has kind of pulled you along, yeah. coached you, been a good friend yeah. uh, to you, but you get to be who you are. And I was yeah. thankful for that, that yeah. uh, what we heard from you yeah. on, uh, the gals heard from you on Saturday mm-hmm. night, and they were so blessed. Mm-hmm. So how did that work? How does it work to work alongside Jen? <laughs> and, and what did she do in particular in that role to, to pull you along? Yeah, me and Jen, um, I think we've known each other for almost nine, ten years. Uh, and so I think with mentoring discipleship, part of my journey has been seeing people who run faster than I do yeah. and taking, encourage, taking the initiative to say, hey, can I just run with you? And sometimes they say yes. And so I've had folks say, hey, no, I don't have space in the season. And that's okay because I keep on trying to find someone to run with. And so I ended up sending Jen an email years ago. It's like, hey, can I just meet with you? And the Lord just allowed that to open yeah. up into a relationship where we would just meet a couple times a year. Let's talk about ministry and to talk about writing curriculum, and that blossomed into an opportunity to work at uh, the Village Church. And so with Jen, it's hands-on in the field ministry, and so, you know, part of it is I'll teach, and I'll get off the stage, and Jen will be there, and she'll be like, okay, here we go. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. You know, this is how you can be better, um, or how to, like, she helps me be better in my craft. Um, And that's a gift that does not have a, uh, like, a price tag on it. Like, it's just priceless. But on the other side, it's like, how do you live in ministry well? Um, how do you serve people? How do you, as a, a minister, live well into the Lord in a space that can be lonely, um, a space where people can mis- easily misunderstand you, um, a space where you're supposed to care for people, like all these complicating factors. And so being able to sit in our office and have yeah. conversation upon conversation upon conversation and just see how she has faithfully served the Lord year after year after year. And through, and I was talking to Julie about this earlier, just even other people that I've had the opportunity to, to be mentored by, to see what it's like to persevere for the long haul. Um, I think I'm a part of a generation, probably at the top end of a generation, uh, that likes immediate gratification. And so we want it to be fixed today or tomorrow or we're out of here. And people are like, no, you're going to stick and you're going to stay. You're going to stick and stay and it's hard. It's going to be hard tomorrow. It's going to be hard next year. It might be hard for the next five years. But then you see God answer and come through and resolve and heal in ways you didn't think were possible. And I've seen that through Jen's life. Um, And that's just been a huge blessing to say, that's what Christian maturity looks like. And so when I wonder what I'm supposed to do, I just go back to the conversations we've had and say, she's just shown me what it's like to walk well with the Lord. Yeah, That's awesome. awesome. And and, uh, people don't, I I think we talk about generational concerns, but what you just said very succinctly Mm -hmm. is, I was also available to her. Mm-hmm. Has that been tough to kind of let somebody speak in your life, say you could fix this or fix that? Is that comfortable? I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you got to, if you want to be better, you have to learn to take the words of being better or constructive criticism well. Yeah. And so you know someone cares about you. And I value people telling me the truth. Yeah. Like, oh, if, I, if it's not good, tell me it's not good. Um, and Jen does that. Um, so cool. And so it just is. That's the door to being better. Walk in humility. 
um, and allow that person to help bless you. Yeah, I, I think that's actually one of the toughest things when we mm-hmm. talk about discipleship to convey is in this, we are going to grow as leaders, mm-hmm. but also as receivers, yeah. but we have to be open to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the toughest things in our mm-hmm. culture where, you know what, I'll just go back to my phone and swipe through yeah. people that all agree with me yep. already. Yeah. I've already quoted their bumper sticker, they like yeah. me. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's tough to be discipled yeah. in this. Do you have any Anything you want to add, Julie? How about if I just go into the next question? Is that good? Yeah, I might have stolen yours there. So um, we we had a couple of things that we wanted to be able to highlight, and uh, I want to get to this one because I think it's valuable for every single person that's Mm -hmm. in the room. But we had a little discussion about this. And and um, actually, Julie, I I want you to join in on this. But when has uh, Scripture recently impacted you, uh, resulting in change? So you read the word... And you realized, oh, Lord, I, I'm not measuring up here. Or yeah. I don't think I saw it that way. And you were forced to, to change your paradigm or change your walk. Yeah. Yeah. When has that happened? Uh, we are going through the Book of Romans at the Village Church. And so right, and we write our cur- all our curriculum in-house. And so as I was going through Romans 12 and writing um, my week on that passage, I come to the section, Romans 12, 18. It says, mm-hmm. as far as it depends on you... Live at, live at peace with everyone. And in that moment, the Lord really just like gripped my heart um, in the space of conviction for just the people that I felt like I had been wounded by in church ministry. Mm. And it's just this word of Elizabeth, you need to forgive them. Like that is faithfulness in ministry. Is you, the issue might not have been resolved. You might not have gotten the apology or the acknowledgement. But for you to live at peace with someone means that you have to forgive and have to release that to me. Um, and it's like, oh. <laughs> you know, and it's, you, know you, you find all these ways to kind of live kind of at peace, but you know your heart's not right towards someone. Yeah. Um, and the Lord's like, yeah, that doesn't work with me because I don't look out the outside. I look at the inside. So that's fun for you, but um, that's not cool. And, um, you know, you think you teach on those things, like you teach on forgiveness and you teach yeah. on helping people. Like, man, just give it to the Lord. Um, but you realize how deep pain can go and how much of that communicates faith and trust in God that you're better. And I talked about that yesterday than me holding on to this and in faith, I'm going to let it go and believe that you're going to do something with it. And I'm going to honor someone who has not honored me. Um, and that's hard. But in that moment, it's like, you can't get up here and teach people this if you're not living it. And so you need to get it right. And so that was a space of, okay, I need to do what I need to do to forgive this person and engage with them in a way that honors and loves them regardless of what they have done and will do towards me. Yeah, so. yeah I, I mean, uh, in my mind, when I think about that, what you mm-hmm. just walked through, I, I'm kind of a pictorial thinker, mm-hmm. you know, and so I literally have that mental, everything's fine on the outside, but there's this little dartboard yeah. in my head, you know, and yeah. Yeah. That person shows up, and, and you're like, you know, another little arrow goes in. You know what? Pop. And, uh, yeah, literally in my mind's eye sometimes, I just I have to take that down, and Christ is there. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to throw a dart? That's me. I, I love yeah. that person, and yeah. so throw a dart if you will, but yeah. I'm going to take it personally. Exactly. And so, yeah, we have called to minister mm-hmm. to those folks, yeah. but... Uh, so, yeah, I won't tell you who is on the dartboard. 
I won't pause as I go across the room. Just looking at the tops of your heads. Julie, how about for you? What's a passage of Scripture? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of cool, Elizabeth, as you were sharing, you're studying Romans, right? In, in our, our women's Bible study, our growth groups, we're working through the book of John right now. Okay. And the thing, I would just love that you said, we're doing this, we're doing this. It's not, God is so personal mm-hmm. and so present, and he, he speaks to us through yeah. his word continually. Yeah. And so just as recently as last week, mm-hmm. um, we're looking at John 6, and Jesus is saying, I'm the son of man, right? And you, you go back to Daniel, and it's where Daniel says, the son of man is coming, and he is going to rule and reign mm-hmm. and have dominion over everything. And so when Jesus is saying this, the, his disciples would have known, the people would have known, what is he declaring? He's declaring that he is actually God, yeah. right? And saying that he is the son of man. And that's so humbling. Mm-hmm. Think that Jesus is going to rule and reign, mm-hmm. you know? Then you get to John 7. And then Jesus um, walks on the water and the disciples like are mm-hmm. scared, right? And yeah. he says, hey, don't be worried. It's me. And the contrast of those two things yeah. is so powerful. Like Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who's going to reign forever mm-hmm. is the one that I can come to when I'm afraid. And in the last week mm-hmm. leading up to the conference, there was definitely moments when I was like, oh, you know, what <laughs> yeah. are we going to do about this? And then yeah. there's that. And I'm like, but wait a minute. God, he, he rules He reigns, he will rule and reign, Mm -hmm. and I can just say, I'm scared, I'm nervous, and he's saying to me, it's okay, I'm here. That was just going through my head over and over again in the seven days leading up (laughs) to the conference, so that really close, Mm -hmm. you know, recently. Yeah, and it was really fun, too, at the very end of the conference to watch as you and the team just kind of hugged it out at the oh. end man it's we got through it we did it you know and there yeah. was all this celebration mm-hmm. great worship that's going on but there is a relief when we finally let God totally. have his way and we see the fruit of that mm-hmm. too don't we yeah and we sing God you have done great things yeah mm-hmm. and that's all that's what we were I mean we we're just yeah. praising the Lord at that point he did great things yeah it was, it was amazing to watch and the peace that he can actually and does mm-hmm. give you in the middle of it all supernatural so elizabeth uh thank you for that uh Mm -hmm. for our gals in the room but just also for our church you came with a message out of colossians Mm -hmm. and there was something on your heart if you were going to just summarize that for us really quick you don't have to re-preach the message (laughs) but i thought you had a great tagline there for us uh and you had a heart for our gals um that they would walk away with a certain thought Would you summarize that for us real quick as we're kind of wrapping up here? Yeah. Uh, What I taught last night was this idea that Jesus is better. Um, So that we spent the entire weekend talking about the need for us to study Scripture and the need for us to push forward in our spiritual formation, but the idea that our discipleship is a neutral. And so you will be formed by something. Um, And so if we're not formed by our word, we're formed by the world. And in the moments when the world seems more attractive, in the moments where life is just hard and it's sad and it's disappointing, or we're just busy, or it just seems that what's on our social media is more interesting than it is of going through Scripture, is to convince ourselves that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is better. 
Um, and so he went through Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, the one who created the heavens and the earth, is a better God than any of the lowercase g gods the world offers us. And so just a reminder that in those moments, yeah. he's always better. It was mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're so thankful that you came. Mm -hmm. I know the gals were really blessed. Yeah. And uh, it's been encouraging to have you up here this morning. Thank so. you. Thank you. Let's pray. Yeah, give her a hand. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we are so thankful for what you did this weekend. We're thankful for uh, just the amazing way that you uh, worked in the lives of women. And I am thankful. Uh, when we think about the churches that were there, we pray right now this morning, Father, that those that came, that were stirred to be in the Word, that were impassioned to listen to you in a fresh way, would go back to their churches, that they would be in those places, on fire for you, hungry for the Word, um, restless until uh, they find somebody else to study the Word with and to chase strong after you. And we pray that in each of those places uh, you would continue uh, to thrive, to have your way in their hearts. Father, I pray that there would be more and more biblical literacy in the valley, that people would chase after your word, they'd be impassioned to say what you say, not what they say, not to regurgitate something from the world, but to chase after you, your thoughts, and your ways. Father, I pray that it would look and sound like the kingdom when they come into those churches, that people hear your words in heart, uh, that they sense your spirit at work. And we thank you for uh, what Elizabeth did this weekend for Jen and uh, for our team of gals. We pray, Father, for all of them that you'd give them rest this week, that they'd be able to reflect on what you did. The enemy wouldn't come along and uh, take away from those sweet moments. Uh, but, Father, also as a church, I pray that we would chase strong after that next moment, that we would chase strong after you. Um, that we would see all of the little things that are happening behind the scenes in a body that is growing and loving you. Father, help us to appreciate your activity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.